Hey guys, welcome to episode number 59 of the Virtus Performance Podcast. Today I sit, sat down with uh, Jared Pulsar, Pulsey, who you would have heard from before, uh, episode number four. He also interviewed me on 19 and 20, and he was in the in the crew that sat down for episode number 52, uh, the Squadcast. So, Pulsey is a teacher, uh, he's an educator, he's a, an elite human, so today we sat down with one of our good friends uh, and one of Pulsey's colleagues, uh, Tommy Olden, who is also, also a teacher. Uh, he runs the outdoor education and the IT uh, divisions of uh, the school that those guys work at. Um, so today we kind of sat down and have had a discussion around education, where it's going, how technology can make it better, um, how it can impact our learning in a negative way. Uh, we talked about sports for a bit. We talked about life. We, yeah, we just kind of had a had a cool conversation. So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you are enjoying the episodes, please share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, I would love it if you could uh, push the podcast to reach more people. Enjoy. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. They are good athletes. Yeah, but it's, it's cycling. On, it's chess on wheels. It's chess on wheels. It really is. It really is. But yeah. like, how do you forego a couple of hours sleep? To watch the tour, I think it's just like it's a pin- it's a pinnacle of endurance. <laughs> it is sport in is the it world, like Kona, pinnacle of endurance sports. Mm, that's over three disciplines. Okay, these are the marathon to do endurance sports. to do about two hundred k's a day for twenty days. Yeah, it's impressive. It's just uphills like this. Bullshit. Are they still doping? Uh, uh, Rumours. So. Hard to say. Yeah, have you seen Icarus? Haven't seen it yet. Huh? Have you? Yeah. I know everything about it already. From yeah. Pulse and talking, talking Cam Pulse. And other people. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, it's but that uh, didn't help you. It didn't, like, no. in terms of results. No. Yeah. But. You needed luck. Yeah, well, of course you need, need All the others, like. You went backwards. So much needs to happen for you to win. But the thing with doping is it doesn't necessarily guarantee you the win. It just. It makes you a better athlete. It makes you a better athlete. But then the. Technical and tactical side of the sports doesn't change. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. And you've got to have the mental power. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't make it easier though. But, but uh, all the Russian stuff is kind of insane. Yeah. But if you haven't watched Icarus, get around it. I started recording, by the way. Did you? We're on. <laughs> oh, we're actually on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sneaky. I think my favourite cyclists are like the um, the Peter Sagan. He's just a rock star that's amazing at cycling. He still has chest hair and a beard and <laughs> wears funky glasses. He's not about being as aero as he possible. He doesn't care. It's all in the legs. And You're talking to someone that if 
an hour ago you asked me if the Tour de France was on at the moment, I would have been like, I think so, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it's going to get swallowed by the World Cup at the moment. Well, that's true. That's true. Did uh, any of you boys watch it? Watch the last two games? Not a fan of that game. No? I was getting up Pause ready me. for VGT this morning and it was on in the background. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. Soccer's an, an interesting one for me. Like, I, when big events are on, like, the World Cup, I watch it, but struggle to get into it via, like, a domestic league is, the A-League is... I think there's that. Which is a bit of a weirdness for me because I'm like the sports tragic who will go watch table tennis on TV if it was on, but soccer was. You cannot get into that. Can't get into soccer. Watch yeah. more, I'd rather watch lawn bowls than soccer almost. Really? There's something, something about the oh. World Cup, like the, I guess, the excitement around the World Cup, like the Olympics, it just gets me up and about. Yeah. Like, I won't necessarily get up and watch much of it. Like, I only watch the Aussie games and I watched half an hour of last night's game. Um, sorry to all the Poms out there. Go Croatia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just something about that time of the year with those Every sports. It just gets me, gets me up and about. Makes me want to. No, soccer's an interesting game, very strategic. And I don't think I think it's a game too where sometimes you can be the better team on the day and lose and lose, which is I know it can happen in all sports, but it seems to happen a fair bit in soccer more than any others. It's, I guess. Low percentage play after low percentage play. <laughs> and whoever makes the most low percentage plays will win. Yeah, I think the the Simpsons episode sums it up the best yeah. when the commentator's going nuts when it goes, centre back, passes to right back, passes to centre back, holds it, holds it, holds it. And it goes on and on. Like Results that. in a ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird sport. It's probably the most played in the world, but I don't know. As Australians, I think we struggle to conceptualise... The because we're used of to it. fun sports like AFL and just something that's more action packed. I think that the game moves more well, can you dynamically. Think, are there any other sports in the world that will finish at either nil nil or one nil, and it's like, yes, that was a fantastic spectacle for ninety minutes. Ice hockey. They score more than soccer, though, don't they? Games can be one nil. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But it could be like a soccer score. Yeah, but they get to punch nil. each other in the head. <laughs> I think with soccer, the amount of things that are stimulating to watch per minute is just so low. Yeah. Like you can't take, like in ice hockey could be low scoring, but three guys per minute get slammed <laughs> into the wall. And so you're happy about it. And it goes up and down yeah. eight times. And you're engaged with it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you tap someone with your toe in soccer and they fall oh, someone yeah. falls over and, and the crowd shows their disdain towards the umpire. And, and you can effectively park the bus <laughs> and play a def- real defensive style game and just like plays FIFA is just going yeah park the bus good r- r- yeah, <laughs> um, great reference put 11 guys and 10 guys in front of the goalkeeper yeah. and try and hold out for as long as you can which can be successful as well and try and win on a counter attack yeah I don't know interesting well, what's what's the best sport in the world that's a good question like everyone's going to have their like with no real way of measuring it Everyone's going to have their own answer. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But if you could pick one sport to watch or play for the rest of your life, what would it be? Watch or play? Yeah. I'm a big fan of European handball. We've never actually <laughs> played the game. European. <laughs> 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 or team handball, as it's called in Europe. Um, I just think it's just a combination of a lot of different sports that, um, yeah. that you can take elements of the sports that I like yeah. into. So things like basketball and footy and those kind of things, it's fast-paced. Like scores are like 60 to 50. Yeah. There's a lot of good elements to it. Tommy? For me, it's um, 
the obvious choice, which is basketball, which I've yeah. loved playing since I was small. But on the spectacle level, when you watch an NBA game, you've got the the sheer athleticism yeah. of the players, especially given their size. You know, we rave, oh, you know, Brody Grundy covers the ground and Max Gorn covers the ground. But LeBron James is the same height and yeah. he can handle the ball like a point guard and throw down. The ball and, does bounce straight back up to him, though. Yeah, <laughs> and the agility of it. I'd man. like to see Max Gordon versus oh, like LeBron man. James yeah, in one-on-one. Absolutely. So you've got the athleticism, and especially for the size, mm. then you've got the skill component. Yeah. So you know, executing, shooting, ball handling, passing, and then it's tactical as well. So yeah, you know how Defense. you run your offense and defense and that sort of thing. There's a lot to it. From a physiological point of view, like I really want to get around NBA just for the athleticism because mm. they're like they're just specimens of athletes. But I just can't get into it. I just I watch it and I'll be like, nah, almost. Yeah, the I mean, even with the introduction of twenty second timeouts, it's a hard game. It's sometimes it can be a hard game to watch. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of breaks and stuff like that. It's very intense. What's with American sports and short attention span, quick breaks or short mm. breaks and. It's all, it's all factored into the TV audience over there. That's where they make all their money. I'd yeah, true. Sell the advertising. Yeah, that's, that's actually not bad. And Australian basketball's kind of gone away from that and shortened the game to 40 minutes and then less time at half time and these kind of things, so it fits in a two hour window. Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. They bumped is, it up for the kids. Yeah. And basketball has grown alongside it. Yes, absolutely. It's grown a lot in Australia in five years. I think it's going to keep going up too. Yeah, well, big consumers of it. Yeah. Yeah, women's football is probably the best spectacle I would have thought. <laughs> Haven't seen it, <laughs> but I hear. Well, it's got to start somewhere. It does. It and does. it's going to be improve and improve and improve. It's probably one of the highest growing sports in Australia if you the look at population wise. Yeah, the thing with w- women's football, they expected a, a major increase, like an increase in the skill level mm. across the board from the first the AFL season yeah. to the second. But the players became better athletes from the first season to the second and were able to apply more pressure on the ball carrier. Yeah. So almost the opposite. Yeah, they play on the same size ground with less people and um, and they're less skilled at what they do, essentially. So they make it very difficult to transfer the ball down the ground. they're becoming... Well, they're better athletes and they're finding better athletes. They've picked a lot of people that haven't been playing football for a long period of time. Like, you ask or you get to a poll of all the AFL men's AFL players at the moment and they've probably all been playing since they were six or seven a mm. couple of them may have started mid-teens but you look at the, a lot of the girls and a lot of them would have started mm. three or four years ago when this yeah but you're going to see now you're going to see the benefits in 10 years time where the kids the girls have been playing at a junior level since under 12 right, under 10 it's going to come it's going to come yeah I read an article the other day it was like crisis in boys football because girls footballs had a there's like Spike. 200% more girls being introduced to the game than guys over the last junior football's done they will have yeah. yeah and it's 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 pretty crazy to think that like I look back at when I played juniors there was we had like three teams at Seaford and there was like three teams at Malaysia yeah. and two teams at Langy and you just got to look at the under 18s numbers for a lot of the MPNFL clubs yeah it's probably true. five or six teams that don't five or six clubs that don't have under 19s teams. why is that happening why do you reckon I don't think there's enough. There's other sports out there now. Yep. Footy's not the be-all and end-all for probably teenage boys. Yep. Um, Paul Ruse, on topic, on the Sunday, Rob was talking about um, the lack of skill in junior football in the TAC Cup and the players that are coming through. Yep. And he thinks that it's with video games and 
yeah. and a range of other things. Well, esports is massive. Yeah, we can start to, you <laughs> oh, know. Man, that's just. When we were kids, we were outside kicking the footy. Yeah. Every Sunday, you yeah. kick the footy for hours and hours. Yeah, we used to do it on, like in our court, or, like over, yeah. every night. Mm. We'd get like street lights come on. Yeah. We'd go inside and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be home before the street lights come out. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. And yeah. that's. We do that with cricket, with footy, with basketball. There's more options now. Kids want to do other yeah. things. And it's watch Netflix or yeah. play Fortnite and that's all the kids seem to really talk about. What is this Fortnite thing? Oh. <laughs> what is it? You're the it dry, is it a game? <laughs> it drives me nuts because the kids at school, oh, I'm so tired, I played Fortnite till 2am. And... <laughs> it's, get... it's just a game. It's just a game that you enter. I think, Randomly. I don't actually know because I refuse to yeah, even try it. I don't want to try it. I think I've got a little <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really good. <laughs> But it's, um, it's all in and the last left standing wins. Yeah, and the map's ever shrinking. Okay. So it forces you to... So I think a new round starts at like 9pm and if you're in the arena then, then you're in. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but and people watch the, the gaming kind of side of things. People post their live gaming onto and YouTube. And people watch it. And people watch it. Listen to the commentary. Yeah. And it's just them just playing the game. There's 2018 in a nutshell. People right. watching other people playing video games. Yeah. They're not even participating. Yeah, they enjoy that on YouTube. Watching gamers just game. Bring back Super and Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> that was the greatest game of all time. Oh, Nintendo 64, done. Super yeah. Super Mario World. Back on the Australian sports stuff, saw my accountant last night, who was a long, lifelong friend, and he's been a really good cricketer. Yeah. And he was just, we were talking about cricket, and, you know, he's part of the highly successful club out in the country that, is always winning flags and stuff, but yeah. at junior level, they're really struggling. And he said, everyone around the club's a fair bit older now. People aren't playing cricket. And he, yeah. I asked why, and he said, it's just not sexy. Yeah. He said, it's that simple. It's, they're trying he to said, sh- we went early with T20, probably the first sport to bring it down. Yeah. And that's sort of settled. And now people are saying, well, how can that be more <laughs> appealing to people and, yeah. and getting kids to play? So I think they've tried to change the rules of junior cricket to allow more of skill development rather than yeah. um, traditional methods where you're out, you're out. So I yeah. think a lot of cricket, yeah. it's, it's a hard game to really build skills in if you're not actually skillful so I think they're yeah. trying to change the development of the skills within the game and giving more flexibility to then the traditional rules there was a big thing about it last summer so they're what? starting to try and less people too and smaller grounds super eights yeah I, I don't know what it is but just having more of a pathway where it's more enjoyable rather than standing out there because I used to play cricket as a kid cricket was my thing and then I remember days where you'd field for 45 overs in juniors and then if you got asked to play seniors, which was a regular occurrence, you'd be out in the field for 80 overs. So you'd spend yeah. 125 hours in the in the field in the summer. Yeah. There's better there's a, better things to be doing <laughs> on your day. I did the same. Yeah. I was a cricket nut in my teen years. and That's what you did, and that's what yeah. was expected of you. Yeah. If you weren't a bowler, you might not get a you bowler. Spend time in the... You spent time in chasing this red piece of leather around on a hot day. I'm, uh, from a Quickly burned you Spending out. my Saturday standing out in the field point mm. of view, I was very fortunate that I got into athletics early on. <laughs> Because that was a sad, that was, it was either, over summer, it was either my friends played cricket or they did athletics. Mm. And, um, um, to go back to your earlier question, if handball or probably athletics, because <laughs> you got a lot more variety. I could yeah. definitely just be involved in athletics for the one sport if I had to choose them. Part of me, every year, like the new season comes around and I see yeah. some of our junior athletes that are running, I'm like, fuck, I want to get back into it. Mm. 
Yeah. I want to be that old guy running around the track with bare feet and <laughs> long hair and. See that guy old, in Boston? Uh, the little guy. The, the caveman. Yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. Immaculate. Um, well, so back on the. So, because we haven't properly introduced the great man over here, Palsy, everyone knows who you are. Jake Pulse. Yeah, I hope so. Been on a few times. <laughs> what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, do many things. <laughs> um, primary role is a educator. Good. Um, yeah. TK, Tommy, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm same as Pulse. I'm a teacher. Um, there's a few strings to that bow. Same with Pulse. Different things that we do at work. Yeah. Um, whether it's leadership or in our own classrooms. Yeah. Um, but I'm a passionate outdoorsman, and that's. Part of why I teach outdoor ed. Nice. And the environmental side of it. And then, yeah, a bit contradictory. So you've got the IT, <laughs> the IT outdoor ed mix. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard because, yeah, I'm our person at school in charge of IT and e-learning and, um, and improving that practice throughout the school. And whilst I'm about focusing on, on using technology to leverage teaching and learning, in my own classroom, it's how can we move away from that and and learning the outdoors so how do you how does that balance work like how do you go with that balance like or trying to find that balance, find the balance you gotta work hard yeah for one um do you feel like you're contradicting yourself with the kids sometimes oh not really because you know we look at ways technology can leverage our outdoor experience as well yeah and the role that that plays in our performance in our comfort but does that take away from the experience yes at times it does um, which is why running low-tech trips yeah. is always beneficial as well. Yeah. Kids go scat, but you take their phones off them for four days and it's like their world's ended. <laughs> really interesting on that, though, when smartphones became sort of a thing where all, all students had a smartphone, at first, you know, it was like you were taking the oxygen out of their body on a camp when you <laughs> yeah. took their phone at the start. Yeah. To now, it's they can't wait to hand the phone in yeah. and not have it for days. Yeah. Those, yeah, your They cannot wait for it, yeah. You trained them up to be accepting of that, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that's, like, and that that would be a natural thing with a lot of guys that age now, or do you think that's because they've been under your expert tutelage for a period of time? Could be that. I think once they've had an experience away from it, they okay. see the value in it. Yeah. They realise the sky's not going to fall in. Yeah. Um, um, I think yeah. Tommy does a fantastic job with those guys, and they respect that. But if it was anyone else out of our, the group of students that we teach, I think a lot of them would struggle. Yeah. Yeah. How, how can we become less reliant on things like the phones? Like, as a, as a wider society, like, not just in an education sense. It's a it, you, real tricky one because, mm-hmm. obviously, as Tommy said, they can leverage your experience in what we do at it. And, to an extent, they can make our lives easier, but it's that tipping point is when it becomes detrimental to our life as well. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to balance. And um, It was on Insight uh, on SBS a couple of weeks ago about technology in schools, and some schools are going away and, and banning like phones and stuff from the schools just to have more social interaction and these kind of things, um, which has a lot of merit, I yeah. feel. Like, I think a lot of the problems that we face would be fixed with banning some of the technology. It would be. Um, but obviously that's going to hamstrung what you can do and what you can expect to do in the classroom as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's about tooling the kids with, you know, the understanding of when and how to use technology. But as you know, at that age, from 12 to 18, you're not going to be so accepting or just 
not aware of the impact it's having on your life. Yeah. Even as a 30-year-old, like, I have trouble. If my phone's nearby, I'm going to oh, check mate, it. Like, I've been... I found myself... I'm so much worse. Like, I'll, going away, I got to disconnect from my phone. Yeah. and Like, I was really happy with... And I really enjoyed it, right? Like, mm. like the kids love the experience of not feeling the need to grab my phone every yeah. second. And over the last, like, month, I've just found myself going back to my phone and it's like... And having to check myself and be aware of it, but like, I'm like in the cr- in the crux of a like genuine addiction at the moment, and it's f- like messing with my head. How do I fix it? Is it an addiction though, or is it something? Because you would do a lot of your work stuff on your phone. Yeah, I've, I, I don't know. I've fought with that because I think it's kind of a cop out. Because like, I will go on to do a work thing, whether it be like post on social media or. We'll send an email or, you know, reply to some client messages or whatever and, like, every time I'll go do the, do, like, the loop, I'll go Facebook, Instagram, emails, messages, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, email, messages, and I'll do it, like, three or four times, like, what the, what, like, Once what you get the, yeah, you get through to the last one, yeah. then again, time, check the first one again. Because I, a while ago, I took all notifications off of my phone, so, yeah. like, I have to go into the app to see it, to find it. And that works really well for a period of time, but now I've it's like I've almost like taught myself to I have to go into the app to check if it's there yeah. rather than. You live in an industry where that's pretty important though too. Like you could get a lead or someone asking you a question that's directly related to your business, and that yeah. that response could be the uh, the the difference between you getting a new client or losing one as well. Mm. So you've got to be aware of it. Yeah. I guess for us, I leave my phone in the drawer at work and yeah. access it. Yeah. When I. Are the when kids allowed to have their phones on them? They are. Yep. And if I were to apply the rules that the college has, I would be sending probably four-fifths of my class out on a regular basis to give their phone to the office. So yep. I kind of give them a warning kind of thing, and if they continually do it, then I probably send them out. Yeah. But if you lay your ground rules down and the kids know what to expect, then... Yeah. It's pretty good. I, I'm pretty lucky. I only teach senior guys, so I don't get to really see it from the, the bottom end. Yeah, uh, year eights are pretty bad. They're worse than my seniors. Yeah. When it comes to Do you the see, are they getting worse? Like are the year sevens, eights, and nines getting worse? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Is that just because that's all they know? Yeah. It is, but by even I'd say even by year ten now, the maturity's there that you know my phone distracts me. I'm gonna. Mm. keep it away mm-hmm. for majority of students probably yep. 80% yep. and a lot of the year 12 guys makes conscious decisions and don't have messenger yeah. and will leave their phones in their lockers and stuff like that or the, the academic ones that mm. know the importance of it yeah will do it it's just so hard with having phones versus not yeah. because they're so good <laughs> yeah you can yeah. send kids off and they live stream something back to the classroom or they all film something it's uploaded in real time yeah bang and because the cap- for capabilities of them too, they some of them rely on it as a as a mm. personal computer. Yeah, and they have the capabilities to do that. Yeah, they'll search Google on their phone. They'll access our platform Compass at work to download a file or stuff like that. I've got Facebook groups mm. with my kids that I yeah. and constantly give messages on or drop documents or links to get them to look at. I don't yeah. know if they're reading it, but it's yeah, there and they're going to see it because they're always on it. You've got to take advantage of it from time to time as well. Yeah. No, that's right. And with, I think phones are the biggest talking point in all because they've replaced a lot of other technology. Yeah. 
So something I battled with term one this year, there was a change in the VCE study design yeah. for outdoor and environmental studies. And we're down at the prom and they had to collect data for their first sack. And they had to take pictures of, you know, high levels of biodiversity, native species, a whole range of, you know, management practices, a whole heap of different things. Like they have to do that. Yeah. And I asked the class, I said, do you all have cameras? <laughs> Does anyone have yeah. a camera? And I looked around the school, do we have cameras? Couple, couple well, we have like good ones for the photography class. Yeah. We're not going to take those on an outdoor ed camp because I wanted them to collect data but not have the notifications in their pocket and not have all of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and looking over some shoulders, kids were checking Snapchat and, you know, it was raining one day and someone was, FML, get me out of here, it's like cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rather than right, actually... Experiencing it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then I thought, maybe we can just say, you've got to have a staff member with you and point out what they need to take the photo of, but then you go back to the SAC specifics. It's got to be authentic. Yeah. Individual students must take photos. And, yeah, so there's a whole thing to wrestle with where sometimes we couldn't get away from it. Yeah. So on that particular camp, it was, I gave phones out for data collection. Yeah. But as soon as someone got it back, it was check everything. Yeah. Well, then we'll go collect data. Yeah. Mm. By then, the brain's just elsewhere. Keep the Snapchat streaks alive. <laughs> yep. That's all they talk about. Yep, had a year 10 uh, girl in hysterics on a camp because a 300 and something day streak was about to be lost. <laughs> can I please call my sister and give her my login so she can oh, keep my streaks active? What? And it happened. Mm. And it happened? happened. Oh, yeah. Because that's, and, you know, I asked, what do you get from that? Yeah. Oh, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. You just do. Well, some of can't explain it, but I just do. Use them for good. What was uh, the last camp we were on? Reese goes off. He f- gets on, has a look at his phone, and he finds out that um, who died, and made an announcement to the group. Mm. Um, who was that? Yes, someone famous. <laughs> yeah, someone. Famous. Yeah. Oh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yeah. Then he goes off, which then became a round the fire talking point that evening. <laughs> But oh, yeah, there you go. but that's the thing as well. You're best not to know sometimes. Mm. You could be three days into a ten day trip, yeah. Personally, yeah, and you find some bad news, yeah, where mm, trip's gone, yeah, that sort of thing. So they only got those phones for the last probably last day, last six hours really. Yeah. So yeah, it looks something we wrestle with. But yeah. then, as I say, that's one side of my job and the other side is to leverage that technology <laughs> yeah. in the classroom sense. Yeah. But yeah. So, like, do, do you guys do much, like, paper stuff for the kids now? Like, is it... Well, VCE, yeah. which yeah. is, a, you have to. Like, yeah. you're going to have to, you physically have to write your answers on a piece of paper. And a lot of the assessment yeah. that Tommy does at Unit 3, 4, and I do it in, for outdoor ed and sport and rec and teaching Year 11 maths as well, it's all on paper. So yeah. that's a skill that these kids kind of still need to have. And until the VCA goes away where it's all done on a computer, which I don't see happening no. in the, f- they can't see happening soon. Yeah. Then the skills of writing on paper are still ultra important, particularly for those VCA yeah. kids as well. Major flaw with VCA is that it's a written test because of course there are multiple ways to assess learning and understanding. Mm-hmm. And something I'm, I've been working with, um, like our integration staff at school yeah. is using Microsoft learning tools. And so for students that struggle to read and write, you know, using dictation in OneNote, where they're explaining something and it automatically is just yep. coming up in their responses or something's being read to them, 
if they learn that way and it really helps them learn mm. through years seven to ten yeah and then they hit hit those exams it's not an option yeah so you kind of so caught between like, a rock and a hard place you are but that, I mean that's only gearing them for VCE success yeah, anyway yeah. Well, that, which is only one part of it one part yeah. well, that, was, that was one of the next question like how how are you guys changing the way you educate to educate for life rather than educating for to pass the tests there's still a lot of flaws in what we've just said and we've it's come up for discussion a lot when I've been here in the podcast and yeah. we've talked about uh, the model which we should adapt or there's things that we should be teaching rather than what we are yeah um, it's it's an ongoing thing and if you spend too much time and energy getting upset about the things we're not actually teaching <laughs> from our level it's really really hard to change yeah and that the curriculum and what you say uh, just this week the I think Turnbull was trying to secretly rewrite the curriculum without any input from teachers oh, and, really? and stuff like <laughs> this and they want to make sure that there is a science or math degree person in the school now to increase the level of awareness of science and engineering and maths kind of thing so there's heaps of there's heaps of components to that question that it's it sounds a little bit pessimistic to think that um we're mandated by what we have to teach (laughs) from the government and that's you know it's sort of uh ministry of magic (laughs) you know and (laughs) the influence they had at hogwarts it's exactly that so you've you know, we have to teach and get through what Great we're told we have to. <laughs> Great use of pop culture. Making good. it relevant, which is something that you need to do, of course. Yeah. Educating for life. <laughs> but I think, like, a lot of the learning isn't related to the content. Yeah. If like, you can do it the most. Yeah. You can do that within a conversation you might have with a kid in the yard or... Mm-hmm. That's what I try and get that kind of development from my students is that it doesn't have to be explicitly taught in the classroom. As a teacher, you're, you're aware of many hats. Yeah as well and if you try and give life advice or teach students things not related to the curriculum that's a bonus and you can see a lot of personal growth through your students that way as well yeah and I think you you've just got to go outside in what you value so with with every outdoor ed camp we do yeah I basically teach kids how they could plan and run their own experience that way that's cool so if they were to hike what are all the things you need to consider and book and do um when we go up to Mount Buller next term, they need to go and talk to local business owners about what times of the year are most important to them and for what reason. Um, and then they've got a planning document. They've got to price everything. Yeah. Um, you know, distance and time travelling from Melbourne. A whole range of things they That's need cool. to consider so they could do it themselves when they leave. And even just having the courage to go and talk to a, a store owner because yeah. they think, oh, they won't want to answer that question. Of course they will. Of course they will. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of thing and... But I definitely do think there is scope within the curriculum to teach these life skills. Life. And it's important. I think they're really, really important. Yeah. Because we have the same old, the same old kind of things that we say and that like, oh, how come I never got taught how to do my taxes? How come I never yeah. got taught to <laughs> yeah. change my tyre? How come yeah. I, oh, they teach us Pythagoras, but when am I ever going to use that again? Like, as a maths teacher, that's... Really, really. That's what you get all the time. That's what I, when am I ever going to use this again? I still have music. Yeah. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've got this triangle at home, right? Yeah. I was drawing this triangle the other day and I really needed to know the day of the hypotenuse of it. I have a really good get out for that because kids will come in from maths or something. Oh, we had to learn about this and I don't get it. And like, why do I have to learn about this? Yeah. And I would say, oh, I'm not maths. 
So I don't know. Keep <laughs> <laughs> going, find a mass teacher. <laughs> no. Thanks, Tommy. That's Throw me under the bus. Out of it. That's just you handballing off. I got go was, to talk to first time in my uh, teaching experience. Said you're really like a dad. You like maths. <laughs> I said I'm thirty. What are you trying to say? I'm old now. Come on. Washed up. Yeah, dad, dad, dad. That's it. I said I'll just hand in my whistle and text us now and move on if that's the case. And look, there's. But education in society has transformed. We could do a unit on tax, or there could be someone on YouTube that has a gun and will explain everything you need to know in five minutes. But then why don't why don't we implement YouTube videos like more often to, like as a part of the curriculum? You, oh, look, you they are, that? of course, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they and the way that they're presented to students on different platforms. Yeah, well, you say whatever it may be is yeah. easy to do. You say like, it firsthand. You've come in a couple of times. Yeah, the kids eat. Every, everything out of your hand but if I said exactly the same thing you're not going to listen to me because they hear my voice every day yeah well, it's, it's, like, it's like if I tell KP to do something and someone else tells <laughs> KP to do something and she's going to have two completely yeah. different responses when I was <laughs> part of the, the unit 4 course in yeah. Outdoor Ed is looking at the climate change debate yeah. and analysing each side of it and we used to watch this ABC program can I change your mind about climate yeah. we're a sceptic um, and a scientist travel the world yep. and show each other different pieces of evidence or talk to other experts in the field. I really want to watch that. To try and change each other's mind about it. Yeah. And, you know, that would last a period and then we'd look at some other stuff and we'd do a heap of things. It'd probably last probably four periods worth of work until I found this YouTube clip titled Guy with Whiteboard and Marker Destroys Climate Change Debate. <laughs> and it goes for about four minutes and bang. Yeah. Everything you need to know in four minutes. And, and that's so that's, that's a homework task. Yeah, and the rest of the and then time you talk is, about it, yeah, and discuss it, yeah, as a group, and then you apply it to the you know second exam style yeah. situations yeah. done in a in a short amount of time. Do en- do enough teachers do that? Like, do they do their own yeah, I think research so. to find that stuff and find ways to leverage what they're teaching? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope so. Yeah, because otherwise you're doing a lot of the work yourself. Well, not that you yeah. couldn't do the work yourself. Like sometimes it is good to just to. Have that break and have another voice in the room, or yeah. just to get someone else in to give their yeah. perspective or something like. That. Even if it's another teacher to come in and you know, give their wheel, experience wheel on. The, wheel in the uh, 1998 TV and, <laughs> the and VCR, chuck, yeah, the VCR, and chuck on around the twist instead. I think it's it's individual though. Yeah, you know, some people will be of more confident. Some people will be of the the point of view that no one can teach you this better than I can. Mm, yeah. And can you swallow your pride and say, I can teach you this, but this clip will teach yeah. you better than I can. Of course. Well, I was trying to explain, I did a couple of days at Chisholm maybe a month ago, and I was trying to explain a, a point around um, around how like basic economics works and like I'm the last person that should be teaching that. Mm. And I just went, oh, I'll just use the clip that I use. And yeah. It's Ray Dalio um, talking about how the economic machine works, the whole thing. And I put that on for them, and then we, we talked about it for 20 minutes afterwards. I'm like, does that make sense now? And they're like, yep, 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 yep. Got Sweet. Next, next topic. Mm. Um, and I think it's knowing, as a teacher, knowing what you're actually really good at teaching. Yeah. Like, you're... Yeah, plenty of strengths. Yeah. If you're yeah. good at something, yeah. But yeah. if you're not good at something, then you've got to check your ego and say, hey, I'm not as comfortable as I'm talking about this stuff. I'm going to get someone in this bit. Yeah, rule five, ego on the hook. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty lucky though with uh, VCAL you've got a bit more flexibility in terms of what you can really teach and really yeah. what you can really drive so 
um, the curriculum is a lot more open to interpretation. There's some set learning outcomes and goals, but how you facilitate them to your students is a lot more, lot more open. So I'm in a good position where I take full advantage of uh, SBS and ABC and we drive a lot of the content that we teach through uh, episodes and shows such as um, You Can't Ask That, um, Filthy Rich and Homeless, Go Back to Where You Came From, and these kind of things. So, and being able to use them and teach things about homelessness, um, Indigenous and Aboriginal Australians, yeah. and uh, people living with disabilities and these kind of things, and using that as a platform, I found has worked really, really well. It's almost a case study, so you're related around yeah. something central. But rather than being a paragraph on a page, you've actually yeah. got a real person mm-hmm. and a real real program to use one of the questions I've started I've asked occasionally at the end of the podcast is if you go back to school what are the two or three subjects you'd bring into it what do you two wish mm. as teachers that you could it might be what you take out of the curriculum or what you put in like if you had if Malcolm just goes TK Pulse what do you want and you could what just, do you want to learn about what do you, yeah well what do you want to teach about um, for your kids what do you what, what do you want the uh you need something that's tangible and that's something that kids can grasp on. Because yeah. I think if you put something there that's too open to interpretation, then we've had experiences at our school where we do these big, broad projects, but because it's not in that traditional setting, the kids aren't used to it and kind of get lost. It's only the kids that are really focused and want to do well take up that opportunity. And I know that wheel could slowly turn in terms of... Yeah what we wanted to do but for it to be successful and meaningful I think it would have to still fit in like a traditional kind of model where there was learning and formulating the kids learning through it as well so it's a, it's a difficult question um, I know what you're trying to say there in basic terms is learning how to learn Yeah, and that's you know there are programs at university the DOTS program at Monash and whatnot that, yeah. that offer that teach you how to become a university student first what are the research skills basic literacy skills well I thought that's like I look back at my three years as an undergrad student the, all the exercise science stuff and the little bit of understanding I got around the basic terms stuff wasn't the most beneficial thing I got I, got, I figured out how to f- discern between correct information and mm. bullshit more or less mm. um, and you, you learn how to actually think critically and determine yeah. what's true and what's not. Well, is this a reputable source? Yeah, 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 yeah. How how do we bring? Like, I would have loved to have. Maybe I didn't. Wouldn't have had the cognitive ability to do that in year eight or year nine or year ten. But I would have loved to be able to start that process a little earlier. Yeah, but I don't know if that's a maturity thing or whether it's a content thing. I think being a critical thinker would be one thing that I would somehow like to instill. Yeah. Not just do things for the sake of doing them. Yeah. Um, creativity is a big one because yeah. I say a lot of kids, creativity gets sucked out of them. Yeah. At school, like you can't do what you want to do. So if you can formulate that into a sense where they do have so some there's choice. There's a video game they can play now that they've got to create stuff. Oh, Minecraft. 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 And yeah. Minecraft for education is massive. Massive. Yeah. Is it used? Is it utilized? Um, it is in some senses. Yeah. Um, whether it can be. Um, whether they need to recreate certain things 
A lot of so, people are still sceptical on it, though, aren't they? But they are. But I, I can see the benefit in it. Yeah. But other teachers might not. Oh, for sure. If it's used properly. But, like, Minecraft for education, this is insane. Starts next term for us. Really? Yeah. Um, so, to teach students about illegal wildlife trade, yeah. they're going to log on, yeah. they're going to enter the lesson code, and they have to walk around the docks, and there's all these big ships, shipping containers and stuff... And they have to go up to different people on the docks and, like, you know, press enter or whatever to get them to speak. Yeah. And they'll tell them, they'll give them clues about, you know, what's what's being illegally shipped, where it's coming from, what the implications are. They'll have to talk to policemen that arrive um, to yeah. learn about, you know, what the sanctions are for illegal wildlife trade, all sorts of different things. They'll talk to people that are involved in importing and exporting the animals, like, full on, so they've got to fill all this yeah. information out on this sheet. Yeah by going around and talking to all these people in this fake world. That's pretty cool. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, because it's like simulating real world experience. Yeah. Well, they can do it from their device. Yeah. <laughs> from their device. <laughs> Which... Well, we can get to the point in like 50 years where we're all just sitting on a couch that we're plugged into virtual. everything and it's just... The, lot, the world is lived through virtual reality. A lot of primary school teachers, gamification is becoming a massive yeah. kind of uh, tool that primary school teachers use uh, I guess in secondary school it's a bit harder because you've got a number of students coming in and out and it'd be hard to really structure that in a way that would probably be meaningful yeah. so a lot of primary school teachers will run a game with within their classroom and that they students can receive points and can level up and there's allies and one of my good friends is right into it and has set up a number of classrooms and he has a different focus every term. Like this term he'd just gone to and done like a Marvel kind of thing and you could... Yeah, it seemed really, really interesting and the kids were hooked on it, so... Do you think education's heading in the right direction? Well, it is, but too slowly. Yeah. However, how receptive and adaptive we are to the changes can't keep up with that. Yeah. Like things are just, and that's where, that's one of the hard things in my role. Yeah. It's a slow burn yeah. change, and we're at a stage at the moment where the we've got internet generation students, and we have some internet generation staff. Yeah. Many not. That's not to say, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but to understand that students live their life through this, this vehicle. Yeah. Um, and trying to slowly implement that change where technology isn't the be-all and end-all, but it's used, you know, it can be relied upon, it's used frequently to leverage teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. But by the time you finally get up to a certain level, <laughs> it's, the wheels it's just gone again. Yeah. The system's reactive rather than being proactive. It is. It's not ahead of the curve. Oh, it's always going to be behind yeah. the curve. It's yeah. always going to be. That's the nature of technology and how it's developed. But yeah. For something to filter down, like I've explained before, it could take a year. And as Tommy just said, that year the wheels turned to the next cog and it's yeah, done yeah. again. And it's, you know, I had the question teaching staff, remember how to use OneNote and what they can do with it. Yeah. They said, Jesus, OneNote thing's good. When did it come out? I said, it came out, first edition was 2006. <laughs> and they just looked at me puzzled. Yeah, it's insane. You know, and it's through no fault of their own, but... Yeah. You know, Microsoft has made a huge push for education. Yeah. Um, and they've pushed all this amazing stuff for free to schools now. I mean, it, it's somewhat marketing. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. hey, love the Microsoft ecosystem while you're at school. And then when you leave, you want all of that Go stuff. Go buy a MacBook. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so 
Um, but it is fantastic. But you know, ex- access to these resources. And it takes within our within any school, it takes to a point where something needs to reach critical mass, and that's mm. students, teachers, everyone use it, yeah. using it for it to become an effective tool. Yeah, which is and hard using it and testing it and seeing yeah, what and like it's got to reach that critical mass where it's seen as the norm. Yeah. and as teachers, as, as stupid as you sound, we get initiative fatigue because there's yeah. a new thing yeah. coming out every three months oh. that that wants from the top down that needs to be pushed yep. and then teachers just know the system now they'll just sit on their hands for three months and then yeah. the next thing will come along and everything's changed again yeah I always feel the same like from a business point of view like there's so many apps and programs that should help me with what I do but I almost feel like sometimes it's like well fuck I've got four apps doing yeah. what these four apps do and then I'm like okay well, I've got too many and then you've got your OneNote and your Google Docs and your 18 yeah. other ones that are kind of similar, but they all have like slight variations. It's like, which one do I pick? Yeah. And that's that's almost the hardest thing because then, you know, in a month there'll be another one. And then they'll outdevelop each other. And, <laughs> and that's how it works. Yeah. Um, personally, Microsoft is ahead. Yeah. They've got the money. They've got the right people. Um, they're all over Twitter. I just moved all my stuff onto, onto Google Drive, <laughs> mate. Don't tell me that. That's a good backup. It's, yeah, it's a great backup. I, <laughs> I don't want to, have no, to go back to Microsoft. You'd have to pay. You'd have to pay for Microsoft. Yeah. Um, whereas education, it's a terabyte OneDrive storage, downloading whatever you need. It's good um, marketing. Yeah. Oh, it's great marketing. No, it is good marketing. But yeah, this outlasting technologies is a tough one. Mm. Yeah, because the wheel's going to keep turning no matter what. Yeah. Look, its role is to make things easier and someone and more efficient and yeah for plenty of people it's well I have to learn this thing and it's tricky and it's different to what I know so it doesn't make things easier yeah so yeah a bit like there's there's enough of a case for just good authentic teaching yeah you know what does that look like what is like good authentic teaching look like (laughs) (laughs) there's too many there's too many variants on that I guess (laughs) but you know I one of my mentors Who's she's about to turn 60 at school she's got the motherly touch in the classroom and that's yep. all it takes yeah, awesome. that's all it takes you know technology doesn't play she yep. plays the mother role with us yep. as well <laughs> it's, she's amazing shout out <laughs> technology isn't the, the be all shout out to Jill <laughs> shout out to Mrs Langford um, <laughs> just brilliant and she taught me so many things that you know if I'm all guns blazing about technology that I may have overlooked or I've just noticed this kid doesn't write on even lines. Yeah. Like has a different space between each lines or can't yeah. can't do this or they appear to be having trouble reading. Or it yeah. just could be these little things little that things, yeah. yeah, that you really pick up on or just these little strategies and games and activities to fill time or whatever. Yeah. That are just gold. I think the hard thing with teaching is that everyone's gone through the process of school. Yeah. And everyone has a and an opinion from the outside looking in. Yeah. So 90, let's say 95, 99% of people have gone through their education prep to 12, yeah. right? So they know what a teacher does, know what a teacher is. So they're, they're therefore have an opinion of what it should look like, yeah. which makes it difficult. And I think one of our good friends, Wok, uses this analogy too, <laughs> that he Wok. says that like... Jeez, settle down, mate. Sorry, mate. Shout out to Wok. Shout out to Wok. Hopefully he's listening. Is that it's not like as a, as a doctor, because of seen this happen on a TV show, I can come in and make a comment about what you should be doing and what's right and what's wrong, yeah. which makes it very difficult 
from an outsider looking in yeah. as well. But authentic teaching can be a number of things. As as Tommy said, it's it's the way you want to set up your classroom and how you relate to your students and I think yeah that's a big thing for me if you can build that rapport that's going to repay you back tenfold later on that's the biggest thing yeah. for me and look the outside of the secondary sense it's you know it's a bit of a bit contradictory at uni that we learn that chalk and talk is not the way and you've got to be innovative and do all this yeah but they teach you through that exact method. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how oh, it's the only way we can get through it in time. And so, <laughs> yeah. It's, Is it though? Yeah. It's, it's, that yeah. needs to transform. But at the same time, university teachers, they don't have a time to build rapport with students. They don't know them. Too many. Too many. Yeah. So that whole system. Changed. So it's a big part of your job just connecting with students and just getting to know them, at least on some oh. sort of personal level. Absolutely. Yeah. First lesson with new classes. Um, with juniors, I know them by the time they're seniors, yep. usually, um, is, yeah, just getting to know each other and what their strengths are and just through a range of, can be games, different activities. can be, yeah, you know, a simple activity where they've got to set things out or that lovely one where you give them instructions on how to fold paper. Talk to me. Um, it's a good one. You, you can find it online. Everyone yep. gets a piece of paper and they can't see anyone else in the room and they've just got to follow instructions on how to fold it a certain way. And then when they all come back at the at the end, there's like 15 instructions. Yeah. They they often have something different. Really. That's yeah. Cool. Just based on their views and some of them, which are just completely out of whack. You can sort of <laughs> categorise students that way. Yeah. I like the other one where there's a big list of instructions and the kid reads through them. He set them up and the last one said, "Don't do anything." But they've done all this stuff leading into it. That's yeah. always a good one to get yeah. get them started as well. Yeah. That's yeah. Always in, good. in in outdoor ed. When they start at year 10, you know, they'll, they'll, students will come into the room and they might have cliques and little groups that they're a part of. And then we have our four-day hike at Wilson's Prime and surfing and that, and they've all been in different groups. And then, like, the buzz in the classroom, the next time they're back, they all work together. And, yeah. you know, it's not just yeah, teacher-student, cool. student-student more than anything. Yeah. If we want them to collaborate and learn off each other and, and even have the confidence to speak out in class, absolutely, they have to be on that level and... You know, it can be hard when they come out of grade six and there's a whole heap of new faces in the year seven classroom yeah. and everyone's a bit shy and, you know, some people can even just be a bit pigeonholed from there, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. So do you find Adjured's an amazing tool for them to be able to kind of all get on the same level? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's just through the time and the activities. Mm. Um, it's had a real strength, but finding time to do that stuff. It's a team. Yeah, because they, they they go through a struggle. Yeah, you see the benefit of what Tommy does in outdoor ed. Like he's got some fantastic results from a VCU level, but you can see the friendships that these guys bond through outdoor ed. Probably yeah. other things involved too. Like a lot of them come from a year nine program and they're all together. Get a lot mm. coming up, which is based on an outdoor ed experience. A lot of it is they get a taster of what that is. Yeah, but yeah, those kids are some of the better kids. Not better kids in the school, but. They just seem to have their heads switched on. Yeah, and I think that does help on the results side of thing with, you know, if I lay down an expectation that this work's done by this day, yeah, they'll do it. Yeah. Like, don't let me down. And yeah. kids that have let me down felt bad, you know. Yeah, they'll pick it up and knock it over next time. Yeah, we're sort of putting a hard line on camps now. If you're not 
if you're not pulling your weight and things like that, then you may not be going on the snow camp. You might be uh, eligible. Yeah, you know, it's a privilege. Just because you're in a subject doesn't mean you're doing it. Yeah, that's cool. You know, so... So it's just a standard thing. Yeah, and it's the same with pulsing in sport and rec as well. Yeah. Why should you get to do all the fun things if you're not pulling your weight? And that's... But that's that is in itself is a life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't go through life being a fuckwit and expecting everyone to bend over backwards for you yeah. and help you. Yeah. Um, or yeah. expecting others to do do things for you yeah which there's you know there's kids that come into ads right at the start and they they're yeah. in their pairs or their threes and they've got to cook and they all look at each other like oh, who's, oh, who's going to cook for me who's going to get the water for the transier and who's going to like wait what do we do yeah <laughs> who's carrying this who's carrying that and then, or their mum's the kid that's got the oh, mum oh mum didn't pack this or <laughs> mum put this in the wrong spot or whatever yeah, yeah. start blame, blame blame everyone else yeah. <laughs> flames everyone else yeah so <laughs> when I was at uni and some like um, with the great Bo Miles on a sea kayaking expedition shout out to Bowie shout podcast out to Bo. number 20 something maybe I'm pretty sure pretty sure it was Bo down at Nuremunga yeah loves that place no matter what it was for whether it was one day or the whole trip you can't talk about someone who's not here oh at all one. that's a good one so and it doesn't mean you were talking about someone in a bad way yeah you go, oh, you know, can't. my brother and I went and did this. You can't talk about it. Yeah. You can only talk about yourself and that, the, you know, the people you're talking to. And that was interesting. And, yeah. You know, I guess any bitching or negativity or things like well, that's that. That's just cut just out, Just gone. Right? You can't do it. And I've, I've tried that with the students and they've struggled mm. a lot. Mm. But it's an interesting exercise. You can't talk about someone that's not here. Who told you that? That was Bo. Oh, mate, you've already, you've already failed. <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> someone I know. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah, really hard, it is right? really hard. Can't talk about someone who's not here. Because yeah. we, like, we uh, betray a lot of the stuff based on past experience. That would be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly would, if you were in a group of new people. That's a really easy, to easy way to shift the blame, like the blame yeah. or like the reasons why things didn't, work or worked or whatever it's really easy to just handball it off to someone that's not there um, even if it's not neg- like you said yeah. if it's not negative you're still yeah that's really interesting I might implement something like that in like a like a staff meeting or, or something like that it'd be really interesting and it's an interesting way for in the outdoors for kids to look around yeah and have authentic yeah. conversations with the people around you rather than yep relying on past experience yeah that whole sort of thing so yeah, I, I learned a lot of what's shaped my practice from my teachers at uni and Bo and in particular a man named Al. Yeah. <laughs> Al Threlfall. He was the tech officer, ran the shed and equipment and stuff. And he was my leader on some camps. And just the things I learned about group management and our world as a place mm-hmm. was just incredible. How much of your teaching persona and philosophies are from the people you've looked up to and how much of it is from your experiences? Um, well, that goes back to when I started university. Yeah. And in year 12, um, our outdoor ed teacher, we called him Skip. Chris Beard was his name. Skip. But all the boys loved him. You know, he was the captain of the local football team. He was our teacher. He was a cool... Cool young dude. He was a mountain biking and skiing gun and just did all this cool stuff. And I'm like, man, we want to be like Skip. Like, he's just so awesome. Yeah. And um, and he talked to each of us individually on camps. Where do you think you're going in the future and what do you want to do and stuff? And, and I said, oh, I just love it. I love all this. 
and he said, you know, you'd make a really good teacher, I think, and I think you should go and do the course I did at Monash, and that's yeah. what I did. So that's why you became a teacher, like that, what, those conversations? Yeah, I was already sort of heading that way, but that was the real, oh yeah, I want to do this now, and that's the course to go do. Yeah. Um, and I, some of my ex-students are now doing that same course. Good feeling? Like having good them feeling, yeah. Do what you do because of more yeah, or less because basically, of Yeah, awesome. and that, you know, the wheel goes round. And that was the reason he got into teaching originally. Yeah. So a lot from him, a lot from people at university, of course, or and even other teachers in the school. Mm. You know, um, Wok <laughs> has taught, Mate, me, taught me about has taught me about discipline. <laughs> and how to give a good rent to the kids. I was probably a bit soft to be honest when I started. Yeah. Um, but that develops. But, though, yeah, I mean, it does develop. It does develop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a weird job because you essentially get given the keys to this new shiny new car on your first day and there's like no one watching you if you fuck it up <laughs> yeah. it's really you get no feedback on what you're actually yeah. doing and you really yeah. struggle for that as because any any other job you'll get some feedback saying oh that's a good job but essentially you're given the keys to this car and whatever you do to it here's a pile of kids don't fuck them up yeah pretty much have you ever filmed yourself coaching no. I want you to try it because I've yeah, I good, reckon yeah. it's probably my second or third year um, when I got an iPad um, I would just I'd feel myself teaching and there's a few times I went geez, that's you know I, I would have gone about that differently I talked too long or yep. could have been the way I spoke could, could have been a number of different things that's really interesting that I thought that's not <clears throat> quite what I want to be doing yep. but you don't realise and we we did a thing and can probably start again in the future at, at school called triads where you're in a group of three and it was just objective feedback feedback in classrooms so not on whether you think this was a good quality lesson this is what you did but this is what you just is just what you saw yeah and we you'd ask for students to observe so it could be whether you seem to speak to the left side of the room or to the right did you get to all the students what were students doing while you were talking or why they were meant to be doing a certain thing and the other the other person's role was just to write these things down, write their observations down, and then you'd have a meeting afterwards and talk about what was there and what could change and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, I think it's confronting for people, but... Yeah. But it's just like... It's it needs just to be improved. Radical transparency, right? Yeah. Like, it's just going... And it's being completely truthful about what's actually happened. Like, there's no blowing smoke or, or bullshitting about how well someone's done because it's just like, here's what you did. It's yeah. not about don't want to hurt feelings or anything because for the teachers that want to actually improve and get better then it's like thank you for doing this it's right. not a I feel shitty because you just told me that I That's right. stared at one I looked yeah. at one kid from the majority of the class like okay I look at one kid from the majority of the class if I want to be a better teacher I need to spread my gaze out like little things like that well I guess what and you're probably in a similar industry with coaching yeah as course. well is what what makes you a successful teacher yeah. What what what's the drive? What's the if you're giving a tick at the end of the name saying they're doing a good job? What is that? I can't answer that myself. Yeah. That's a hard one really to puncture down because there's so many different skills involved. Like mm. I think I know I think I know what it is, but that's only in my opinion. Like if Tommy come and witness what I was doing, he would pick up things that I need to work on as well. Yeah. Well, this is this is a a Greg Day quote. <laughs> Yep. or a quote or like a prod it's like what's the definition of educate it comes from the word adduce which is to bring out or to develop mm. so what makes a good teacher is I guess some or a good coach or a good any educator in any 
way is someone that can bring out a result or to develop autonomy in, in certain things. Yeah. But then it's a really hard thing to measure for you know, your X amount of kids in, in a certain class or from year seven to year 12 when they get through. Did I, did I do good? Yeah, well, I think so. I think they're going to be semi-functioning humans for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but how well do we know them? Yeah. You know, we're, we're, it's students um, that are funded and whatnot will have an individual learning plan where it could be something really basic for them where they need to complete three out of ten learning tasks for the semester mm. or they need to rule their book up, <laughs> you know, or yeah. access their resources each lesson online. It can be, you know, simple things, whereas everyone else is just measured on the same performer. And yeah. first you've got to know the kids and where they're at. Yeah, that's a big And thing. then you've got to... You know, then they're they're assessed, you know, on this uniform sort of performer, really. And but yeah. yeah, I think we're caught in a bit of a cycle at the moment where we celebrate growth, but even if that growth's not the standard, okay. So yeah. a lot of the system's gone. So seven or seven or ten, prep to ten, the standards where we think you need where to they be, up. be. Yeah. All right, and we're celebrating the fact that a kid might be two years behind but they've grown six months that we celebrate that more than much the fact that we're actually celebrating yeah. getting kids at standard yeah I think it's yeah. a bit of an issue do you guys like stay in contact with many of your students when they finish nah I've got a few that I talk to um they only some will sometimes get a Facebook message here and there just yeah. See how we're going. Sometimes you see them at school events; they'll pop in and say good day and, yep. and stuff like that. There's a couple of ex students that ask me some questions from time to time about their future and what they think, and yep. which is cool. I don't mind that yep. at all. Um, you've told them once; you kind of take them, take them on. You want to take them under your wing and, and those kind of things to yep. make sure that they're successful throughout their whole life. I think that's how I mark my teaching. If I can change one kid's life or give them one good piece of advice that goes goes on to make them a better person then I think I'm doing my job, job right yeah. and if it's only one it's one but if it's hopefully more it's more yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I've had the odd occasion just I've more more so just people asking for resources yeah. like I'm doing this at uni have you got any sort of yeah, resources I can use or you know I'm meant to plan a unit have you got some some advice or whatever yeah. it may be um, yeah that's probably about it yeah yeah, I guess the question came from, I guess, wanting to, or seeing how well the majority of them would be going and mm. whether it's like, whether you can see the progress for the ones that you looked at when they were finishing your yeah. 11 year time and you're like, this, this, these group of kids are going to do really well. Yeah. I'm not sure about these guys. Like, would it tend to match get, up with what you'd expect? We get the data that comes through at the end of the year 12 yeah. about halfway through the next year about what the percentage of kids are, what they're doing yeah. in like what they've gone on to. Yep. Um, you don't really get to see names with that. Yeah. Um, but you do get an idea of who, what, who's doing what and where at the end of that year, year 12 kind of cycle. But outside of that, mm. it's a bit hard. Sometimes we get ex-students back to talk, which yep. is a good exp- like they Particularly to the year 12s and the older guys, we get them to come back and talk about their experiences and what what made them the person and what tips they have. That'd be incredibly valuable, right? Oh, like for all absolutely. The kids. Um, yeah, meaningful conversation. It gets back to the point where he said it's not coming from your mouth, so they're, they're eating from their hands. What do you find, like, some of the main, I guess, points of advice are from kids that finish up and then come back and 
and t- talk to the kids? Um, I just try the major message they just give everything a go that you can it's cliche but it's yeah make, make the most <laughs> make the most of your opportunities because yeah. they say once you leave school and a lot of the a lot of the thing is for kids at school is that oh I hate school I don't want to be here kind of thing but I try and tell the kids is that it's actually not that bad you get to hang out with your mates for yeah. six hours a day yeah um and yep. once you finish, like, you don't get to do that anymore. Like, that's, that's growing up and you get to realise that, hey, school wasn't actually that bad. I wish I actually did a few <laughs> more things right. Like, yeah. it just takes that time. Don't for them. right? Cherish it. <laughs> Stay as long as you yeah. can. But it's a bit cliche, but... And they just say, make sure you use all your available resources. Like, if you want to stay back after school, stay back after school with your teachers and these kind of things. Because a lot of kids don't take that opportunity up. You would have more than anyone... Yeah. Stay back for help. Yeah. Well, I, I really enjoy that part of it because it, it's essentially the, the bare bones of what we do as teachers. Yeah. You can help that kid individually one-on-one struggling with something mm-hmm. or a concept and you can clear that up for them. That's a massive vindication for me and it makes them feel good. It makes me feel good. I say, oh, I'll do that all the time. But the kids don't want to take up that opportunity because they're probably back when I go play Fortnite or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Or yeah. watch Netflix. But yeah, that's I get the biggest buzz out of that within the classroom, teaching students new something and when you see that light bulb moment go off, that's yeah. that's the best part of teaching, I think. I love those like a coach people feel they can't ask questions, feel they can't like yeah. grab me and sit down and talk about a concept mm-hmm. or talk about their training or talk about their goals or whatever. And it's like that's probably one of the things like you that gives me the biggest buzz. It's like, well if I can help you move from like thought process A to thought process B in three minutes where you could have been stewing on it for a week like I think that just comes with maturity and mm. being comfortable with that level of authority that you're in I guess that education system set up where it's always that authority figure at the front and it's seen as someone that you probably don't want to talk to about certain things mm. too but as kids get older you're not going to get all the kids coming come and asking you yeah. these kind of questions but the ones that do we're going to have those meaningful conversations with you yeah yeah, you realise that the person at the front is just someone doing this, like, that's been in the same position you are. Yeah, absolutely. You can leverage your life experience into your teaching. Mm. So, yeah. I, Tommy's done this before too. We've using a heart rate data from exercise events yeah, that we've like shown that. in class. And yeah. I've gone and speaking to the year 12 classes about nutrition for endurance events and these kind of things. It's, it's just things that you can bring into your teaching that make it interesting and yep. make you seem like a human. More human, yeah. Yeah, more human. You're not just like this computer just sits there and lives at work and <laughs> like we go out and have lives and stuff like that. Great segue. You guys have just been on holidays. You're about to finish up your holidays. What's with the all teachers getting like being absolutely cactus by the end of the term? Being sick or um, burnt out or... Oh, it's, it's more of a term two thing. Yeah. Um, term two is 11 weeks it's always the longest it's been 12, 13 in the past yeah. Yeah. just depends on how the year Easter, falls yeah. um, Winter. the fact is you daylight you get less daylight as the term goes it yeah. gets colder as the term goes yeah. so automatically you're down on vitamin D <laughs> yep. germs in the school that shit guys get around it germs in the school are a premium yep. <laughs> there's a lot of bodies coming through the doors <laughs> yeah for me personally um being an outdoor ed teacher, terms always broken up by camps, and I'm always building towards that next one. Mm-hmm. And even though it's it's more tiring going on a camp, the logistics and just running it and stuff. Yeah, annoys me when people say, "How was your your holiday or your trip?" Because <laughs> it's so far from that. You know, oh, you were at Mount Buller. 
you know, you must have been having the best week ever. But and that's not the case. Yep. Yeah, you can have a bit of fun, but you're looking after people. Yeah, you're not you're not there carving the slopes <laughs> for eight hours at all. You know, it's you're like, babysitting, and it's frustrating at times too. Yeah, it's like it when really you go to outdoor ed camps with you, people ask me, you know, is it odd? I didn't lose anyone. That was a good step. <laughs> yeah. like you're always on bud. Like you're on edge twenty four hours a day. Like it's really like oh crap. Is everyone in their tents? Is everyone eating yeah. right? Is everyone going to the toilet? It's something that it's yeah, it's a really strange kind of experience that to know like particularly on outdoor ed camp. That's exactly right, Paul. It's it's and I, I was talking to Billy about this the other night, um, just a bit of pillow talk. <laughs> Shout out to Bill. She um she was just asking about that sort of stuff and and when it's on camps, like what I meant when I said that it's not, you know, a three day hike at the prom. It's not just a glorious <laughs> hike. Yeah. you know, to the best beaches. It's it's monitoring how much water students are drinking. Like, actively watching them drink water, yeah. eat, are they going to the toilet? Yeah. A whole number of things. Does this kid look overly fatigued? Are they a bit red in the face? Yeah. Looking at the group dynamics and yeah. it's just so many different things. You're constantly on the first aid. Decision making. So attention. Yeah, right? like it's, it's huge, yeah. yeah. Should I go this way? Should yeah. I go that way? How's the group travelling? Yeah, group? and there's, there's always so many concerns and, um, you know... Should something happen here? Yes, we've got satellite phones and things, but it's still a big deal. And yeah. There's a lot riding on everything that you do. And um, really the only time that I ever get to marginally switch off is once they've all gone to bed. Yeah. And then even then I'll sit there reading a book and just and do a few walking yeah, rounds and just yeah. making sure that... You know, sort of everything's under wraps and you're looking at the sky, hoping they're not under any trees or anything. <laughs> just stuff and, like um, that just goes through your head. And yeah, look, yeah. it's great to be in those places, but it is dark and you can't really go and do anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just go take take a yeah. slab of furfies, mm. sit on a sit on a rock, and. Well, one of the kids did ask us that. They yeah. said, "Remember that time? Uh, do you actually enjoy coming out to camp with all?" I was like yeah it's really good it would be better if I got to do it with my, my own group of when we went down that time last year yeah that's what I was saying to you guys this is just unreal yeah I'm actually here but relaxed <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm actually I've set up the tent and I'm just winding down yeah now what well, well, I don't have to do it you're like, you're and like looking around like me it's really good like, you're right mate yeah, but yeah, there was yeah. no looking at a watch or anything whereas yeah. it's I need to get these guys cooking I need to get all this happening and that's not to say I don't love it I absolutely mm. love doing yeah. it um, and watching the kids grow, but it is a them. really different thing. And you know, I've been running the same introduction hike for mm. seven years. Yeah, <laughs> the same three-day loop at the prom. Well, it was different, isn't it? And it's yeah, it was a bit different for you. Yeah, for your group this year. <laughs> um, and I look still breathtaking yeah. at prom. We love it. Amazing, yeah. but still, um, there's sometimes where you realise. And for anyone wanting to hike from Sealers Cove to Little Waterloo Bay, is not 12 k's as a sign say. It's 17 and a half. <laughs> really? It's massive. And just knowing that we're so far away and the kids look at the signs, oh, there's 4 k's left. This has got to be the last beach and, you know, this sort of stuff. And thinking, and you're just oh, like, oh, we yeah, are so like... far to go. <laughs> still so good. Are we there? Uh, just up the hill, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the hardest thing I ever did was... Going up the telegraph track to the car park. Yep. With two packs on the front, mine on the back, oh, in about 35 degrees. Oh, shit. And packed. just double packed the yeah. 3k ascent. Yeah. And, yeah, that's solid. Yeah, that was solid. But, um, good from you. No, we do love it. And, and that's, you know, a big part of it is just getting out to nature and nature therapy and troubled youth. 
yep. um, is a movement at the moment, and there are more so. organisations yeah. that are sort of popping up here and there to make that happen for kids, yep. and not just kids. Um, you know, there's groups that go out from corrective facilities for adults yep. mm-hmm. as well. That's cool. Um, and things like that, because it is proven that green spaces and time are important for our mental health. Yeah. Even, obviously, our physical health, but our learning. So... I think going back to your question about sickness for me, it's just oh. a, it's a cyclical thing. Like it happens to me every holidays. I think your body just gets to a certain point and it knows it's almost at the end. It just starts to relax. And I, I, I generally thought my body was is, shutting down. Is it a self-fulfilling prophecy now that it's happened so much? Oh, like, I can't. I, I, would, I, would, I, I hope. I hope it doesn't happen, but it happens more often than it does. It happens more than it should. It's interesting at the minute. Um, I've been. I get up at quarter past six usually. Yeah. Um, and Billy gets up at six thirty to head off to work, and I've been getting up with her to cook her breakfast and get her stuff ready. Good from you. But I've been so tired. Mm. And she said, "Oh, you do it all the time. You got to be used to it." But I don't feel that I am like because I don't have to be at work. Yeah. <laughs> and I finally have that time to just chill. Chill. Yeah. What do you guys spend your holidays doing? Like, do you have oh, like Pulsey just? Kills up in a ball and lays down for a week, but what do you, what do you guys spend those two weeks doing, and then the bigger I, six weeks at the end of the year? Those two weeks ones are just investing in yourself. I feel yeah. as I said before, like I'm really recovering from sickness, so I like to just just be able to not have any anything in your diary, and you're free to do what you want. So yeah. if you want to sit at home and read a book all day, you can do that. If you want to go to the gym more often, we've talked oh. about using the the two weeks is a bit of a, a training base to really up your training. And I was really uh, a firm attributed to that when I was doing like on my Ironman stuff. I'd yeah. use those two weeks to really launch into some training. You can set up your term really well if you if you want to do a little bit of work. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can really set yourself up for a smooth transition. It's just, yeah, I just do whatever I feel like I want to do. Catching up with people that you don't normally mm-hmm. get to catch up with. Yeah, you want to go see your parents, these kind of things. Yeah. You can just have, you've got more time to do the things that you really want to be doing. Just fill your cup. Fill yeah, your that's it, filling the cup. Yeah, there's probably four things, friends and family catching up, particularly yeah. family. I like to go down to the country. Fitness, just being able to go to the gym or go to runners with the great man. Do some, like I've been doing. Hey, Rick. Rick. <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been getting on the bike, on Zwift, you know, in the lounge room. Yeah, um, last, yeah, the session last night. I yeah, saw. you know, and, and just that's enjoyable. Um, a bit of the block. <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing our place up at, at the minute, sort of one step at a time, but um, just having time to, whether it's paint or do some work in the yard or, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, do a day or two of work. I've done that in the past. Once I get the go-ahead from the interior designer. <laughs> Bill? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I make poor decisions on decor, so... <laughs> Everything has to be run past her. She's got a great eye for it, um, which is fine. She picks out what needs to be done, and then I'll do it, like the painting. Good. Unless, because I'm the world's worst handyman, so oh, whether I get Tom, probably out there. Whether I get Tom over <laughs> or something like that to help out. Yeah, good. Um, and then, but I'm a bit, I'm a workaholic, and I've done so much work this week in particular. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, a bit tomorrow there's about eight hours worth pending. Really? Yeah, Big building game. up the PD program for staff for next term and having it fully resourced for staff meeting first day back. So, yeah. you know, show, work never stops. back in next week. Yeah. 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 You, can so, set, you can set your term up. If oh, you, you can. can yeah. If you can really knuckle down, if you want to. 
Some yeah. people just need that time out. It just depends on how you're feeling as well. If you're burnt out, there's probably that's the last thing you want to yeah. do. But one thing every teacher will tell you though, is that at the end of the term they go, "Yep, I'm going to do all this stuff on the holidays," and they've got a huge list of things to catch up on, marking, planning, whatever it may be. You might get one. And thing they may do none. They may do one part. They might do all of it. it just sort of depends. People, yeah, you always work. You're always doing something. Or you always think you should be doing something. I think the three of us are the same in that mould. Have to be doing something. Yeah. Have to. Like you, there's got to be a project on the You just cannot... On the road. Yeah. You've got to be doing something. Yeah. Whether you're making the house neater. KB will be sitting there listening to yeah. that bit going, look, he hasn't fucking done any of that. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> get the holidays, with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not. Very not. All right. Finish off the podcast. I want to do a, a quick little like favourites, so a couple of topics. Mm. I'm gonna throw. I want you to tell me your favourite and tell me why. Like the all favourite, best in the world, best ever kind of thing. Favourite movie, go. Batman, Dark Knight. Why? Oh. Five goals, one. <laughs> <laughs> Policy wants to give an arbitrary scoring system to everything. Yeah. So five goals, one. All right. Five goals, one. Oh, I think. Just the way that's made and oh, the actors, the score, and yeah. just the, the brooding nature of that film. It's um, and not being the biggest Batman fan before that, like as a kid, Batman was kind of popular. But to see that, just the way it was made, it was just done so brilliantly. Yeah. Um, I really like Inception too, but I'm not a big movie guy. But I, if I get asked that question, my answer is always Batman. Cool. That trilogy there. What do you got? Mine's actually the same. So oh, I'll choose, no, it's true. It's true, but I'll choose another. Um, I'm a Bond, Bond tragic. A Bond tragic. Love oh, yeah. James Bond. Um, and Skyfall is my favourite of those. You'd make a good James Bond. Yeah, maybe. I'm too tall to be James Bond, I think. Um, I just enjoy that because there's a lot of twists and turns. And I think Daniel Craig's sensational. But on a sort of movie critic level, they strip James Bond back in that film mm. they take the gadgets out of it they dig into why he's he's not just this high flying you know this high roller that solves the world's crime and gets the girl in every movie he's actually an alcoholic that's depressed and over the loss of his parents yeah. and it all goes back to you know their residence in Skyfall the name of their property where they grew up and this sort of stuff and it's like yeah, it's quite interesting it's very different to any of the other the Bond films good I like that mm. Lost in Translation. It's my probably favourite movie of all mm-hmm. time. Okay. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Bill Murray. Double obviously. What a man. <laughs> but I think it's just a really cool like insight into the human experience and loneliness and being in a foreign place and how we deal with culture and deal with things that aren't normal and all aren't isn't our own environment and how we deal with other people, how we deal with ourselves when we're by, when we're alone and then how we yeah, interact with people when we're in those situations and I just mm. love, love, love the movie favourite book or favourite book of all time Pulsey what do you got for me um, favourite book of all time or most impactful read Pulsey just getting back into reading <laughs> yeah I'm actually sure. Sure. jump back on the horse this holidays um, I don't know impactful I'll let you think Pulsey you go oh, I love yeah. autobiographies yeah good um, and it's a toss up between these two Chris Judd's probably second mm-hmm. but um, the great man our illustrious coach Bucks I love his book because what a man. Man. Get him on. I love his book because it it just 
it paints a picture of who Bucks really is. Mm. Yeah. You know, and the whole fig jam thing is something that he, he, that he is not. But the best, the best thing I took from it was there's a line where he says when he was running extra 400s at training or that sort of stuff, or he was chasing, I think it was Shane O'Brien or one of the players who was more experienced than him, yeah. that he used to chase his tail all the time. He'd think to himself, like, if you're willing to compromise like just this one 400 effort, by slacking off, you know, what else are you going to compromise? And you can think about that in every sense. Whether yeah. you might say, oh, I'll leave this for tomorrow. Yeah. You can think that to yourself and think, well, then what, tomorrow what am I going to compromise? Or how easy is it to just keep putting things on the back burner? Yeah. And just, because then eventually, like you add, you take 5% off everything in your mm. life. Quality, quality of your life is going to be significantly detriment to, compared to what it would be. Yeah. So that's good. What a man. Like that from Buckley. for us. Uh, mine's probably going to surprise you a little bit. Mine is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, great movie. Haven't read the book. Great movie and book. Um, uh, and I we saw, we saw, Wade, we saw Wade Cedar and he's just come in <laughs> and stuck his finger up. Shout out to Wade anyway. Shout out to Wade. Um, but we didn't actually stole it. We actually, uh, we actually took it because he had it left on all night. So... <laughs> That's what you get. He didn't. Oh, that's he not, did. Good. not Not the first time either. Oh, you know what's worse? What's that, mate? The smell of this room. Uh, TK's been uh, a couple off, so. Oh, <laughs> this room. You smell like a bag of cheese corn chips. <laughs> we just ate a bag of cheese corn chips. No, I didn't. No, we didn't. I don't eat cheese corn chips. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. You said I wasn't allowed Back to policy. Policy, sorry. <laughs> right. Thanks, Wade. <laughs> um, yeah, Perks of Being Warfare. I think I, I really read that in an important part of my life, and I probably should go back and actually reread it probably something I just probably um, just thought of then it's that it just taught me to be proud of what of who you are that book and then like and I know it's a bit tragic in some parts too but just to be happy with the skin you're in I know it sounds pretty cliche and a bit fitspo and stuff like that but I think (laughs) growing growing what I went through and then reading that kind of uh, validated of what I was doing and how I was feeling so I took a lot out of it that way good I'm really struggling to answer this but because you've read 900 this year <coughs> now we're up to like 44 I'm pretty ha- I'm pretty happy with with the books that ticked over this year but I think there's the like the normal ones that I go for like principles and sapiens and stuff like that but I think one of the best books ever is the hungry caterpillar <laughs> that's fantastic what's the rainbow the rainbow fish rainbow like yeah that one that was pretty good um <laughs> is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho I can't even know I don't know Co- Coelho I don't even know how to say his name Paul but for me it just Paul is his name it's just like like all all the shitty stuff can happen like you can but if you maintain on the path and keep taking steps forward then you'll eventually get to where you want to get to like it's just that really simple story about not needing external validation not um not letting all the all those negative things get to you um but just like if you're heading somewhere no matter what happens no matter what people say just keep taking steps forward that where that climb a mountain Adage comes from? Um, no, that's Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the climb a mountain thing. How do you climb a mountain one step at a time? I think that might that might be a Greg thing. I think. The dayism. Yeah, dayism. Yeah, yeah. He's he needs to write a book. It's also physiological. That's the way to get up. 
it's just that's actually it's actually, it's actually okay. <laughs> yeah, well. that's actually how you do it yeah um, yeah good favourite podcast like it can be for, for deep learning or just entertainment until a year ago I think I could answer the question to the, for the both of us but it's it ceased to exist it was the Jock Reynolds <laughs> some fantasy <laughs> some fantasy football podcast unfortunately the boys have have gone away from that which me and Tommy used to find ourselves in fits and laughter and talking to at work and no one would actually know what we're talking about good which was good um I really like uh, Willosophy with Will mm-hmm. Anderson, but unfortunately, he was on a bit of a roll with his content that he was putting out. But it's just something, something's happened, and he okay um, got a job at Triple M. He got it, yeah, and then it just happened recently, and he, I just he released one last week, and he kind of explained that some of the stuff that was said in the podcast has been spun and turned against him or one of his guests too so he's really questioning yeah, okay. if he's going to mm. continue with those conversations well if you're listening Wilbur give us a call <laughs> let us know why, why you why, like. yeah it was interesting to hear and I, I just think the conversations that he has with people and then some of the people you don't even know that are quite meaningful they're authentic and I yeah. learn a lot from them because he get back on it Wilbur talks about topics that Pulsey's learning yeah that's what we it. want I've recommended a few to Tommy and he probably yeah no, I'll listen to him good Yep. Uh, for me, I like Mark Howard's Howie Games. <laughs> yeah, good. I don't think anyone doesn't like those. Mm. Just um, good insight into all the athletes and people that that come in. Mick yeah. Fanning was particularly yeah, it was good. superb. Made me cry. Made everyone cry that listened yeah. to it. Um, he polarizes a few people though, Howie. A lot of my mates hate him. So I'm really. I said, "Oh, have you listened to his podcast?" And they go, "No." Nah. I said, "What? Go and listen to a few of them before you yeah. make a judgment on him." Um, yeah, listen to the Mick Fanning if you can. He just goes through the the night he lost his brother, which he never told anyone. So yeah, on the podcast, yeah, that's, that's pretty. Heavy. Something he doesn't can't really talk about, and it was pretty yeah, pretty yeah. deep stuff, but pretty inspiring. And um, it's and you just learn a lot about people, just everyone that's on there. Yeah, so that's cool. Mine's pretty obvious. It's just Rogan. Joe, Joe Rogan. It's I think it's the ability to like he's at like eleven hundred, eleven hundred fifty, eleven hundred. Oh, I don't listen to it. You've, um, you've given me a few and I just haven't really nah, that's all right. had fuck, the time to fuck, fuck you obviously I'm not you know giving you enough value now uh, that I've moved or about to move I'll be able to yeah, listen to about 40 minutes a day to listen to some more content 11.43 is he's up to and most of the podcasts are two to three hours and it's just Jeez. that I don't know there's something about that long form communication where they just sit and talk if you're not time constrained, yeah. you can just let things roll out yeah. organically. It doesn't Much have to be. Yeah, it's a really genuine conversation. Like, there's no agenda. It's just let's just have a conversation and talk. And like, yeah. like you were just saying about Will Anderson's podcast. Like, I don't actually know what's happened or whatever, but um, or like your mates not liking Howie Day. Like, they've never actually sat there and listened to no. him talk about what he believes in or they're going on what the Howie that they see on the. Radio, yeah, they, on the radio yeah, on the they get a short little clip and yeah. and, and and we all like we all do it. We all like create a bias, a bias, an idea about someone or something based on like a tiny little morsel of information. I, I really mm. like how Rogan's podcast. You can just sit there and listen, listen to him talk, listen to him and whoever guest he's got on talk about what they believe in. Mm. Um, and you can you realize that feel like oh, I hate that guy. Well. You might hate twenty percent of what he says, but eighty percent of what he says, you're like, yeah, I kind of agree mm. with that. And I find myself agreeing with Rogan on certain things, and just going, no, nah, I disagree on, on other things. But it allows me to kind of re- reaffirm what my beliefs are mm. about life. 
and stuff. Uh, last one, favourite joke. What did the fish say when it ran into the wall? Damn. Damn. <laughs> Good. That's TK, my, what do you got? Go, that's my go-to. That's your go-to. Everyone oh, needs a go-to joke. Geez. If you're listening, you need a go-to joke. <laughs> that's my go-to. I wouldn't say I have a go-to joke. Um... You're going to Google one now. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to make it. sure I tell it properly. Oh, I if you don't know it off by heart, it's not your favourite right, joke. I'm going to have a crap down. <laughs> but I, probably my... F- I'll give you my favourite office line. Yeah. Because I love the office. Which one? When... US. Yeah. When Michael Scott says, and I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... I find him so funny. Good. As a character. All right, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> You can edit it out. Eh? No, got a rule. Don't edit. <laughs> Don't edit. Um, <laughs> all right. So there's this high- highway patrolman sitting on a, a notorious stretch of road. Uh, just this big, long stretch where there's always people speeding. And sitting there, pulled a couple of people over that day, and this, this white ute flies past. And he, he goes, well, they're going way, way too fast. Chases after him, pulls him over. Starts going, do you know how fast you were going? And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm in a rush. And then before <clears throat> the cop can start to ask him more questions, he looks in the back and there's 12 penguins sitting in the back of the ute. And he goes, well, just before we start talking about the ticket that I need to give you, why are there 12 penguins in the back of the ute? He goes, oh, mate, I've, just got, I've got these penguins. I don't know what to do with them. Um, you know, they're, you know they're, they're a bit of a pain to handle. They're, they're a bit hard to deal with. I'm just not really sure um, where I should take them. And the cop goes, okay, well, you know, you're obviously in a bit of strife. Let's, uh, there's, a, there's a zoo about 10 minutes down the road. Take him to the zoo. Um, I'll let you off. Is this a joke or a monologue? What's that? Is this a joke or a monologue? I'll let you off the ticket and, uh, and, you know, and you can just take, take the penguins to the zoo. He goes, yeah, perfect, no worries. So <clears throat> he drives off, cop sits down. About a week later, the cop's sitting in the same position. Same white you flies past, pulls him over. Goes the guy, he goes, mate, the penguins are still in the back. Weren't you meant to take them to, take them to the zoo? And the guy goes, yeah, we took them to the zoo. I'm taking them to the beach this week. No. <laughs> That's so good. That was even good. I don't care. I love it. There's, it's a, one, there's a real funny guy. I need to tell it properly. Yeah, there's a real funny guy at work. And he tells, he's got the best jokes, Griggsy. Yeah. <laughs> he's old, he was, he's, and this is one of his favourites, and it's, it's a bit crass. So, what's the difference between a, a pickpocket and a peeping tom? <laughs> Don't know, but this is going to be the end of the, end of the <laughs> podcast, so make sure it's good. It's going to be the tagline on the podcast. What's uh, the difference? One snatches watches, the other one watches snatches. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. <laughs>